0: We are
1: super excited to welcome you to The Debunk, the first series of our new Adobe Chats program. With the help of industry experts, we'll be using each episode to unpack some of the biggest myths in digital marketing and e-commerce. Today, we're tackling an issue that's been talked about for quite a while, and the events of 2020 have created more questions than ever. We'll be asking our experts to discuss the question, has the high street officially changed forever? Let's dig right into the debate, shall we? Hello, I'm Caroline Baldwin. I'm a retail technology journalist, and I have spent the last 10 years writing about business and online retail. So I've had my fair share of conversations about this topic that we're going to talk about today. And after the extraordinary events of 2020, the question has never been as important as it is today. Has the high streets changed forever? And that's a question we're going to be addressing over the next 20 minutes or so. And I'm delighted to be joined by three very special guests. We have Simon Hathaway, he's the MD at Outform and he is a retail specialist with a deep understanding of digitalization of this industry. We have Katie Hilditch, she's the consultant director at Nando's Grocery and is a highly experienced FMCG professional with 20 years experience in retail and food. And we have Peter Sheldon, he's the senior director of commerce strategy at Adobe and is well known in the industry and an expert in e-commerce and omnichannel technology. So, we have a range of viewpoints here today, and all with a very clear perspective on the state of play in the industry. So, uh, welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Before I um, start picking your brains, um, I just wanted to say about this term, death of the high street. So, the I must, I must say, I am guilty of writing that term, Death of the High Street, in a title or two in some of my news stories and features, and I can't even remember how many conferences I've been to where this has been uh, thrown about as a discussion point. But... It, there is some fairness to it, despite the air quotes. Um, there have been empty high streets up and down the country and sh- um, shuttered stores. And it, it's it's been a bit of a sorry sight over the last couple of years. And retailers have been struggling from increased business rates and rents and the competition from e-commerce. And that was all before March the 23rd when the unthinkable happened and the UK descended into lockdown. Non-essential retailers closed for a whole quarter And when they finally reopened again in June, we can't exactly say it was the same. There's masks and queuing and controlling numbers in and out of the store and no changing rooms in fashion retailers. I spoke to an analyst a couple of weeks ago who was saying that retailers over the past few years have been focused on making the store an amazing experience to encourage people back into the store um, and off online, so to speak. But now they're focused on hygiene and safety and it's just a completely different um, level of energy into that store experience. So is 2020 the year that we declared the death of the high street or perhaps are we on the edge of a rebirth? So Simon, could we start with you? Could you let us know a little bit about how retailers have been dealing with the past couple of years?
2: Well, I think you tackled it in the quotes about headlines. We've all seen some of the big legacy retailers, some of the names that we grew up with failing over the last few years, as they've struggled with that transition towards e-commerce and the omnichannel nature that has become such a common word right now. Most of those reasons are because they really didn't meet the expectations of a customer who's now got a a completely different view on what experience should be and also what convenience is. Um, And that means that we've seen a lot of them kind of unfortunately fail on the high street. Uh, that transition means that uh, we're starting to see a lot of empty space and that in some of the most recent uh, reports is as much as 20% over capacity in the UK. And I think we can look at similar numbers across EMEA. So it's a pretty challenging time. But I've got great hope for it because I think that we're also seeing people return to the high street, particularly as, after COVID, uh, with new energy. And you look at brands like Foot Locker, uh, you look at places like Apple, they've got some pretty big queues outside them. So people do want to go back to the stores that have stayed relevant. The challenge is, though, we're now in an expectation economy where every one of our customers and our shoppers' expectations are reset with every download, every click and every visit. So we have to really rebuild the experience on the high street and make sure it's relevant to people's lives right now. At Outfall, we talk about three budgets when you go shopping, time, money and frustration. And if you look at a lot of those retailers who have failed, they've really missed the frustration budget. And I think that's really interesting right now as well because of what's happening with COVID and the fact that frustrations around safety have come to the fore. But as we get used to those things, queuing, washing our hands, wearing a mask, we're starting to see some new um, areas of experience pop up like gesture control, voice, ways of rebuilding the experiences that make the stores magical um, in a way that we weren't seeing. So I'm really, really quite excited about the next phase of it. Um, And in our form, we've got a a phrase, we say that that retail is not failing, but frankly, crap retail is. So unless you're kind of resetting expectations right now for your customers, you've got a challenge. Um, That's the opportunity for all of the retailers out there.
1: And it's not just retailers though is it it's it's also brands before covid we saw a lot of brands who were maybe online only taking pop-up stores and and during the pandemic we've seen a lot of uh, brands go d to c i think you can get heinz baked beans delivered to your doors now and maybe katie this is something that you could chat a little bit about with your uh, brand background how how do you think brands like that should really be focusing their efforts right now i think it just comes back to
3: everything about brands and how you work, whether you're online or offline, um, you know, in stores or not, it's about why am I doing this for the consumer? Like, what's in it for the consumer? I think the Heinz initiative was really interesting and really great. But actually, the better initiative that they did is that they've given away 20 million free school meals um, over the last six months. And that's like, you know, something that's really needed. And I think when you look at what's happening with brands, it's like there's some really interesting stuff happening with some of our restaurant brands. So if you take Wagamamas or Cot, those kind of brands, they have moved into the retail arena. So instead of just being a straight restaurant brand, they're looking at um, how they can be more of a a brand in our homes because people can't get out. And to me, that's more whether they're online or offline. It's just a really interesting move. So you can now get um, direct. You can um, order your meal from Cot. They can send you a three-course meal. It's like like you get in the restaurant, um, you can get that in your home. There's a lot of brands like, you know, Nando's, we already sell products in the supermarkets. We've got a lot of competition now from other restaurant brands that we know are going to launch. So they'll be in the supermarket soon. So to me it's more about what's in it for your brand, what's in it for the customer, and then where you serve it, sort of like it's like, well, yes, serve it online because more people are shopping
1: online, but make sure you can deliver it online as well. So true. It's definitely not an either or situation, is it? Right. And um, Peter, perhaps you could give us um, your input on the because um, you're an expert in e-commerce. Whether it's death or rebirth, where where are you sat at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, there's certainly a, a bearish case for sort of, uh, you know, traditional high street retail, but but it really depends what segment, uh, you, you know, you're in. I, I, I think, you know, a lot of retailers were in many ways well prepared for, for COVID, uh, a lot of investment in, in really great only channel experiences, you know, uh, uh, BOPUS store pickup. They were already using their stores to, you know, fulfill online orders. And so, uh, you know, all, all COVID really did was sort of accelerate what was inevitable change that was going to happen over the next two, three years and jam it, you know, and sort of bring it to the immediate forefront. And so I think a lot of those retailers you know, a lot of our clients saw that, you know, prior to COVID, you know, 20% of their revenues was e-com, you know, 80% stores, and literally overnight, they shifted 100% of their revenue to e-com. And I think a lot of our clients were, you know, that that were well-prepared, but I think in certain sectors, you know, certainly smaller independent retailers that just had no e-com, you know, this has been, you know, this has been. Sort of a crisis for them, you know, how do they quickly turn on e-com just so that we can survive? You know, we've seen, I think, um, the restaurant industry, fast food industry, be really, really innovative here, and again, pivot almost overnight to what it would be actually some great experiences of being able to, you know, now not just do food, you know, food delivery, but curbside pickup of food using, you know, innovative last mile delivery uh, programs. So I think it's you know forced digitization upon uh, you, you know every segment, every vertical, every retailer, every brand, um, but but I don't think it's uh, you know, I don't think it's a temporary shift. I think you know, as consumers become more and more comfortable with you know those digital experiences, with using e Um you know, yes, they will still return to the high street and return to the stores, but only for certain types of purchases. And 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 uh, you know, there's a lot of things that historically we might have gone to the high street for that now is just you know going to you know what Simon talked about. You, you know, it's just it's just more convenient. It's easier to to shop online. And um, yeah, we were all shopping online before, but 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 now it's sort of hey, we we've, we've survived six months of being Forced to only shop online, and hey, it works. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, you you know the, the the retail high street will look different.
1: that digital disruption piece is really interesting I, i i forget which but one of the big four ceos said at the time it was something like five years worth of digital transformation in a couple of months because they had to and they were already you know doing a lot of it in the background to your point about the the smaller companies it's it's been a very challenging time but you said something really interesting then um about uh being kind of almost we've been doing the, the shopping for online for such a long time but does that mean that when things get a bit more back to normal do you think that we won't go back to the high street i wonder maybe if simon you could add to that on the thoughts of the high street maybe what's the future there do you think we're just going to be quite happy just shopping online forevermore
2: well i think there's um uh, there's the role of the store has changed and we have to fundamentally understand that and and part of the challenge we have is that we've always measured online versus offline or in store, and the, uh, the truth is now that the point of sale the traditional legacy point of sale might no longer be the point of transaction and uh, you know we've obviously got a lot more confidence in shopping online so one of the things that's happened as a result of covid is is categories there we would not have dreamt of buying something i don't know say a fridge for example without going to see it and making sure it fitted in your living room we now feel a little bit more confident to do online you might spend two thousand pounds on a Great big American fridge freezer, which you wouldn't have done before. So that level of experience is, is is something which I think is kind of quite quite interesting. But that the point about this is going to be that we are there will still be things that we know that we have to go to stores for, whether or not that's advice in areas. You know, I look at categories that we online still it's all about um, reasons to buy, um, and we're not yet covering off some of the issues that people might go to store for. So if you look at say. Uh, DIY uh, categories that have seen growth, actually, over the COVID period, those are places that people are returning back to. And yes, they might be going towards do it for me, but people want to understand and be educated. Um, And I think a lot of those roles the stores will start to change, and they'll start to build a story um, in a more kind of uh, omni-channel journey about the roles that they take place. That's going to be a real challenge. I mean, we've already mentioned click and collect, we've got returns. All those things become functions of the store um, as well, and they could become physical destinations to do that. It just means that perhaps the measures and the role have to be looked at in a different way. Um, and I think what's interesting, particularly as we look at experience and a lot of brands we've talked about that are trying to win out an experience. You now online, they're paying per click. You now in store, you could be paying per experience in the future as we see more and more experience stores start to emerge um, as, as pure destinations that are gonna become houses of brands. And I think we continue to look at some of the big sportswear players that have been very successful. They're really doing that with some of the big uh, athletics brands and and they're obviously relevant to that customer audience. That's for me is a very exciting place where it's going to evolve and develop
1: no you're very very right on the experience front and also the service side of things as well and um, over the last couple of months um sky have opened their first store um so whether you have to wait half an hour or so before you can get in not for queuing but rather than like they want to mimic their uh, their phone call experience i'm not too sure but um whether th- that, that aside the um the whole point is that those guys who weren't really interested in stores chose this year to open a new one and um, katie what what, what are your thoughts on um, various brands looking who weren't necessarily um, on the high street suddenly interested in the high street now that's a bit strange isn't it I think I think we can take quite a lot of lessons
3: from places like Southeast Asia so shopping to lots of people is a hobby and it's become a hobby. I'm sure we've all got friends who like massively overindulged on um, ASOS and Amazon um, earlier this year. And, you know, that hobby of shopping is things that lots of people have it. And in, in Southeast Asia, it's almost like the national hobby. So they're shopping centers, they're destinations, they're not just shops. And so for me, it's like that Sky example is a really great example of how a brand that never, you know, didn't, wasn't in retail is now in retail. Because it's about going to a shopping center or a mall for an experience. I'm going to get my nails done. I'm going to the cinema. Um, I'm going to have something to eat. Oh, and look, there's Sky. I can sort something out. Oh, look, there's Tesco or Walmart. I can go and pick up a few bits of shopping. It's a small store format, um, et etc. et cetera. So to me, it's more about um, those experiences and looking at the high street through a slightly different
1: lens. I see. And and Peter, what about you? What do you think about this online versus offline? Can it actually complement each other? Or do you think that there's going to be a time where online is going to think of um, the high street as competitive, like the high street has thought of online as competitive up to a point?
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, Simon talked about sort of this pivot to, you know, stores becoming more experience centers. And, and that's absolutely what's happening, at least at least for brands. Um, you know, we see a lot of brands um, where, you know, e-commerce has definitely changed, you know, to Simon's point about what, what we're prepared to buy online. We'll buy a car, car online. You know, what for years we bought, you know, holiday online. Um, you, you know, there's really you know high consideration purchases where we spend you know hours days weeks researching a product you know uh, you know watching youtube videos etc you know we're more than willing to now make that you know 500 pound you know multi thousand pound purchase online but but there's still this sort of role of 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 a store to actually experience a product not necessarily somewhere I go to buy the product. I think we have to separate experience from buy. And so what we talk about, you know, experiencing a product is going and trying it, speaking to, you know, other customers who, who use it, really engaging in the brand and the brand values. And, 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 you know, a lot of these, you know, stores will pivot to tell the story about how the products are made, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the brand's mission statement and really sort of engage in the brand. You actually want to buy, like, like, like in a Tesla showroom, they're going to tell you to pull your phone out of your pocket and order it on your phone. And you're not going to walk, necessarily walk out of the store with the, with the item. Um, you know, you go to the store as part of your, your research experience. And, uh, so I think that's really interesting. And then sort of the, the reverse of how I think. The physical retail is helping online. You know, one of the things that a lot of apparel retailers had to do, um, you know, during, during COVID was, uh, start video conferences like, like we we're on here so that, you know, I'm stuck at home, but I still want that advice, you know, whether it's DIY, whether it's apparel to be able to talk to an associate, um, and get recommendations to get help. Well, well, that was digitized. I can schedule a, you know, a Zoom meeting, uh, you know, direct from their e-commerce site and, and get an appointment and, and do that. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, yes, this certain circumstances are absolutely, I still want to go to a store. But there's a lot of circumstances where I didn't actually need to go. It wasn't the store I was going to. To Simon's point, I was going to get advice from the associate. And I can now get that advice from the associate digitally. So I think video has sort of really opened up the possibilities. And and I I think for a lot of stores, you you know, you you still need those employees, you still need those associates. It's just the way that they're engaging with customers uh, is a little more digital than perhaps it was in the past.
1: No, very, very true advice and, and experience. I don't think that's going to necessarily change as we um, move into the, the new normal, so to speak. Nothing's going to replace me going into Liberty to the paper department and going through all the stationery. Um, there's just nothing, absolutely nothing like it, so I can't wait to revisit. Um, but it's clearly very subjective to each
2: retailer. I also think that when you look at the safety and security um, options, a lot of people now our research definitely want to get back to store particularly in North America, where we looked at it, and they've given us really clear indications of what they think are going to be safe, what they want to see, how they want to interact with, uh, with people, with solutions. So, you know, we had about had 42% of people are expecting voice as a solution in stores. So to be able to walk into a store, not necessarily have to speak to somebody, but have a voice assistant help them and guide them around the store. So that, that sort of stuff is coming, which will make stores exciting again, and make them different, they'll bring out new things. But if we measure them on sales alone, yeah, they'll fail.
1: That's a very good point. And, but there is that, the, the side of things where you can make the store as exciting and, as you want. But if everyone's still working from home, whether they're enforced to or maybe they just choose to because they're quite liking it and they're not happening to pass liberty on a weekly basis to pop, pop into the, the, the paper store. What, so, Katie, what do you think the, the culture and the behavior change of the consumers is going to have an impact on this? I do worry. I,
3: I think that I think it, it, if if you're a city centre, I think I would be more worried than if I was a, more of a local shopping centre or a local high street. And I think there'll be a real difference between those two. And whilst we're all working from home, if you look at. Um, the the sort of hospitality sector. Uh, Coffee shops in more suburban areas aren't suffering nearly as much as a coffee shop in a more urban city center area. And we're all working from home. And there was lots um, lots of things in the press to begin with about how amazing it was. But now we're a few months in, it's really quite dull um and it's really quite dull we're in small places we're quite cramped um you know we're in kitchens we're in bedrooms and we have no human interaction so i think there's a real opportunity for the high street to think about themselves as also mini workplaces um you know to simon's point earlier about 20 percent of um vacancies on the high street turn yourself into a little we work you know but like a a not you know not a massive old we work like they used to be in city centers because we still need interaction we still need to meet and generally at work if you work in a sort of medium to large size organization you tend to live in pockets nearby so then you can still meet with your people and you just have a little hub and you have a catch-up and you have your meeting there i don't think we'll go back to traditional offices and i don't think we'll carry on working from home and it'll just be some kind of hybrid that the high street can play a massive role in um but if i was a city center landlord i'd be much more worried
1: that's such a good point. A friend of mine had trouble with her um, internet provider last week and um, uh, out in Hertfordshire in the countryside, and her little um, town had just opened a, um, a co working space. So she, and it was really, it could have been, uh, she said it could have been anywhere like in Shoreditch. So we'll be seeing more of those, which is exciting. And of course, hospitality is such a big part of the high street and is so important. And that's why it's such a terrible time for both industries at the moment. And Peter, let's wrap up with yourself. What do you think the predictions for the high street street are or should we say rebirth of the high street let's end on a bit of a positive
0: Yeah, I think if we think about some of the, you know, the positive opportunities for the high street, you know, certainly, you know, there's going to be change. I think if we think about sort of, you know, the traditional sort of department store of, you know, a destination to go to where all the brands are under one roof, I think, you know, days are changing and consumer attitudes are changing. Consumers are much more focused today on sort of brand centricity. You know, they really, you know, align around certain brands that, you know, they want to do business with. And there's this perception, I think, especially, with millennials that um, they want to buy direct from the brand and and brands are waking up for you know to this there a lot of brands are are saying you know during COVID you know we saw a wholesale um, uh, channel being you know almost devastated um, and and being forced to go more direct to consumer but direct to consumer doesn't mean digital only direct to consumer I think for many brands for CPG firms has meant hey let's double down on our investment in in stores and let's uh, open those experience centers let's have more of a physical brand presence that we actually own and operate and corporately control and and control that brand experience as opposed to um, you know a wholesale environment where someone else is representing our brand uh, for us so I think you know one of the opportunities for the high street as we look at you know vacancies and and, and empty shuttered stores is I do think we'll see um, you know both digitally uh, digital only brands as well as other you know CPG and and, and brands uh, you know um, taking some of that that lease space and and, and creating uh, those sort of experiential I hate to use the word stores I think, you know, store is almost a legacy word, but those experiential centers uh, on the high street.
1: Stores being a legacy word. I really like that. What a great place to wrap things up. Um, Those are some really interesting points. And I I guess it's whether you're the CEO of a large high street retail chain, or if you're shaping customer experience for a fast growth e-commerce site, all of us, we really it's really important that we take the time to challenge popular assumptions about the state of the retail industry and what's coming down the line. We've certainly seen some signs of recovery, but with restrictions tightening and wind, us being in the depths of winter, it seems like the fate of the high street still lies in the balance. But uh, that's all we've got time for today. So it's a big thank you to Simon, Katie and Peter for joining me. And it's been great to hear your thoughts. And I hope that everyone listening has found the conversation helpful. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Debunk and a massive thanks to all of our guests for tuning in. If you'd like to keep the conversation going or if you want to read more exclusive content, head to the Adobe Chats page.
0: You can also catch up on previous episodes of The Debunk if you missed any. See you next time.